Let's pray before we start. Heavenly Father, I come before you because I am a sinner saved by grace. And it's only by your grace that I'm here today to stand, to bring a message. And I thank you, Lord, that your salvation is not just for me, but for all those who would believe. So, Lord, give us a heart to hear. Give us ears to receive and give us eyes to see what you may want to share with us today. In Jesus' precious and mighty name, amen. Amen. So this message is the fifth in the Holy Trinity, This Is Our God series. And today we're going to be looking at how salvation applies to us. As last time we explored Jesus as Saviour. The key verse to focus on today is Acts 4 verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So a quick recap on what we talked about in the previous sermon. Jesus is fully God and fully man. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He came to reveal God to us, and he came as a man to pay the ransom for our sins by dying at the cross and redeeming us back to God. So what is salvation? Theopedia summarizes it as this. The act of God's grace in delivering his people from bondage to sin and condemnation, transferring them to the kingdom of his beloved son, as Colossians 1 verse 13 says, and giving them eternal life in Romans 6.23. By Christ's atoning sacrifice, we are saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, as seen in Ephesians 2.8. The word salvation appears 178 times in the ESV Bible. 133 of these are in the Old Testament. It appears within 32 of the 66 Bible books, firstly in Genesis 49 and lastly in Revelation 19. And this word appears mostly in the books of Psalm and Isaiah. David spoke many times in the Psalms about God's salvation. In Psalm 42, he lifts his spirit up by thinking on God's salvation towards him. In Psalm 79, verse 9, he said, Help us, O God, of our salvation, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and atone for our sins for your your name's sake. God's plan of salvation and forgiveness was to rescue us from our sins and restore us to right relationship with God. The following words are also important for our understanding of God's salvation. The first one is redemption, which is the recovery of what was lost purchased from a negative position. The cross was the only way mankind could be saved, redeemed, and God's moral law still be satisfied. And then there's justification, which is the process of us being put right with God and made righteous through acceptance of what Jesus did for us at the cross. Repentance is when we decide to turn away from sin and our old ways, acknowledging our guilt and sin to God. We abandon our sinful past and desire to develop a relationship with God through Jesus. Sanctification is being set apart anew in and for Jesus, being like him. And then glorification, which is the future for all believers when we are made perfect in Christ. Romans 10 verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God's salvation opens the door and invites us into God's kingdom 
and we become his children, a child of God, set apart and transformed into the image of his son, Jesus. We need to believe in the finished atoning work of Jesus at the cross and his resurrection to enjoy the blessings of salvation. By God's unmerited grace through faith, we receive pardon from God and he no longer remembers our sins. He has taken them away because he loves us and wants to draw closer to us. Upon receiving God's salvation, the believer exchanges their sin for the righteousness of Jesus and they become fully acceptable to God. Romans 3 verses 21 from verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. Oops. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So, this I believe is a stages or journey of salvation with God that each believer falls through. So we start with election, and this happens before creation began. And this is when God chose you. Then we move on to salvation, which happened at the cross. And this is where God rescued us from sin and eternal death. Then we have redemption, which again happened at the cross, where God paid the full price for our sins. Then there's justification, again at the cross, which which causes God's righteousness to be credited to us, making us right with himself. Remember before I said about paying the price from a negative position. Before Jesus, we're in the negative. We're in debt. And I know how hard it is to get out of debt. I've been in debt. He credits us. Credit. Not a zero balance. We're in a positive balance. You're better than you were before. Conviction. Sorry, I've gone too far. Conviction. This is where the Holy Spirit draws us to God and God starts to call to you. Repentance. This happens when you give your life to Jesus and it continues for a lifetime. There is initial repentance. I understand that, church. But it's continual. You still have to keep coming back to him. We need to repent and turn away from sin. Then there's forgiveness. On the true confession of Jesus as Lord Saviour, and it continues for your lifetime. Again, God provides this, provides his forgiveness for all our sins, past, present, and future. Sanctification. As we walk with God through the Holy Spirit, producing good fruit and works for God. And this is where we're being set apart anew in and for Jesus. This is your present state as a believer. Sanctification. And then there's death. You can't escape it. You can't run from it. It happens to all of us. But it's not the end. Amen? Amen. Because we go back to Jesus. But again, it's not the end. Because we have glorification. 
and the resurrection. And this is where we have the future promise on Jesus' return. And on that day, we are resurrected with new, perfect, glorified, eternal bodies. So if you think this is good now, it's going to get better. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You've got to hold on to that hope, man. Christ's salvation provides renewing for our mind, heart, body, and soul. Now remember, I took you through those different stages. I'm going to come back to it as well. Jesus is known as the second Adam. So while the first Adam represented all of humanity, Jesus, the second Adam, represents those who will follow him to the Father. Through the first Adam, we all shared in his sin and guilt. But through Jesus, we share in his righteousness and salvation. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30. And because of him, you're in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. A mediator acts to unite two divided parties and to bring resolution between them. The offended party was God and the offender was us, mankind. God's gift of salvation is mediated by only one person, Jesus Christ. Only faith in him and through him will avail you of this precious gift. A quote from A.W. Tozer. In reality, salvation was bought not by Jesus' fist, but by his nail-pierced hands. Not by muscle, but by love. Not by vengeance, but by forgiveness. Not by force, but by sacrifice. Jesus Christ, our Lord, surrendered in order that he might win. He destroyed his enemies by dying for them and conquered death by allowing death to conquer him. Again, death was not the end. It was the beginning. Jesus suffered and died for our sins, paying the ransom for the salvation of all humanity by his obedient sacrificial death at the cross. His death allowed humanity to be able to be at one with God, freeing us from the bondages of sin and death. He is the author and the finisher of our salvation. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So who can receive God's salvation? God's offer of salvation and forgiveness is available to everyone who believes Jesus died for their sins, that he rose again. They must also be willing to confess and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour, repenting of their sins and living their new life in him and for his glory. Jesus took all our sins upon him, past, present and future, to reconcile us back to God, allowing our wrongdoing to be forgiven by God. To enjoy God's salvation, we must come to Jesus. He is the only way to receive God's salvation. We have to turn away from sin. We have to believe and trust in Jesus and God's promises. We need to submit our life to God in all things and live only for him. But most importantly for those who are believers, allow God to complete his work of sanctification in us through the Holy Spirit, doing good works in and for him. I think that's the greatest challenge for us as believers, allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work that he needs to do because there is always work in us to do. The work doesn't finish 
As I said, well, even when we die, it's still not finished. It's only when Jesus comes, it's done. God offers his gift of salvation through his grace, and we receive it by faith, trusting in God. No one deserves God's forgiveness and salvation, and it cannot be earned by any of our works. Grace is God's undeserved favour, but through his amazing grace, he offers us a free gift, this overwhelmingly generous opportunity to us, or we can see it as God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. Our key responsibility to this are to receive this gift with grateful faith and live our lives in line with the gifts given to us. The cost of salvation was great. Our blessing is great. What we have been saved from is great. And so our responsibility and gratefulness to God is great. These are the faces we experience through God's salvation. So in the past, we received justification. And where Jesus played the part, we have been saved from the penalty of sin by a crucified saviour. Then the present, which we as believers are working through, is sanctification, where we are being saved from the power of sin by a living saviour. The work hasn't finished yet. We are still working through. And then future, which is the glorification, is where we shall be saved from the presence of sin by a coming king. That is significant because I know at the moment the world looks like it's going mad. Well, it is going mad. And we seem to be the only sane ones in this planet. But there is going to be a time when Jesus comes back and everything is under his feet. Everything is under his authority. The devil's going to be kicked to the curb. All the evil in this world is going to stop. And all that's going to be left is Jesus. All that's going to be left is goodness and peace and love and joy. I'm, I'm waiting for that day. I'm waiting for that day. That's what I'm looking towards. I'm not looking towards my present. I can get a new job. Might not get a new wife, but I'll get a new job. I'm not looking that way. No. But what I'm saying is, the thing, what I'm, the point I'm trying to make with my wife is, I wouldn't change it for the world. So I don't want a new wife. I can get a new job, but I don't want a new wife. But I don't want anything more than Jesus. And that's, you've got to keep looking at the future. Dash the present. The present's giving us curveballs left, right and centre. COVID, fuel crisis, Trump being president. All of these are curveballs. All of these are curveballs. But the future, Jesus is coming. I am saved. You are saved if you receive salvation. So, why is accepting God's salvation so important? Sin created a barrier between God and man, but Jesus chose to accept the responsibility for mankind's sin, taking that full penalty of this at the cross. He became a sacrifice to turn away and appease the wrath and righteousness of God. God's wrath has always been aimed at our sins, not us. That's something we've got to get past. Sometimes you think, God, why are you giving me such a hard time? Because I did that? No, it's because of the sin that he's giving you a hard time, that he needs to correct you because he wants to save you. Sanctification. But if we embrace sin, we will experience the impact of God's wrath and his righteousness and the punishment this will bring. Just like when we were kids, 
we, if we went out for a party and we didn't tell our mum and our father, we had a good term, we had punishment when we got back. But we knew we were going to get punishment because we knew we were doing wrong when we went out the door. So don't give me that. If you know you're going to get the punishment, but some punishments aren't worth having. That's the point I'm trying to make. Some of those you say, yeah, I'll take the risks, I'll take the licks, and then I've got another day. This one you can't afford to do that. You make the wrong choice, that's it. God's grace and mercy is greater than his wrath towards us. Again, that's a key point we need to remember. God just wanted to restore us and make us new because what he holds as precious to his heart is his people and his creation. That's us and that's the world. He loves this world. Even with all the gas and the ozone layer, he didn't make it that way, we did. And he will protect it. God cannot overlook sin. Again, another key point we've got to take on. So Jesus took everyone's sin upon himself to make a way for us to be able to come into the presence of God. Even believers, after accepting Jesus' salvation, may sin. So we must constantly go back to him to receive more of his grace to overcome our sinful desires. We are saved the moment we accept Jesus into our lives and he never lets go of us from then on. Those who truly accept in their hearts Jesus as their Lord Saviour receive his unshakable promise of eternal life. Unshakable. No one can take it from you. No one. God will not take it from you. Once he gives it to you, he never takes it back. On receiving salvation, we must also allow the Holy Spirit to guide us in Jesus' sanctification to us. We must surrender our life and will to him and live our life according to his will and purposes. Again, as I said before, that's one of the greatest challenges for us believers. There are some Sunday mornings I don't want to get up. I'm tired. I want to stay in bed. But Jesus puts a song in my head. He, he was playing the song in my head from the beginning I got this morning. He was playing the song in my head. I'm thinking, okay, he's just getting me ready for this, the service. But, but that's the choice, because that's the Holy Spirit there. I didn't put the radio on. I didn't wake up, I wasn't dreaming about singing, but there was a song in my head. That's the Holy Spirit. And you've got to listen to him. Because straight away, the minute I open my eyes, there's going to be something that's going to try and push him out and push out the influence. And you've got to keep pushing back and keep letting the Holy Spirit speak to you. Our salvation, according to God's will, was planned before creation. Many writers of the Old Testament spoke about God's redemption and salvation and a renewed covenant with him. David spoke about it, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, etc., etc. The Old Testament shows how many times the Israelite nation, who were set apart to be God's people, rebelled and repented constantly. But each time they seemed to fall into greater sin. If you notice that, read through the Bible, the Old Testament, they got worse and worse, not better and better. And even after God's judgment and exile of them, they still kept going the wrong way. God is always faithful to his promises. So rather than allowing this cycle to continue, he sent his son to usher in a new covenant and true repentance and salvation for those he has set apart. The whole Bible explains why we need salvation. But in summary, Romans talks about it all. All have sinned, as Romans 3, verse 23 says. And sin brings the penalty of death to us all, Romans 6, 23. 
Jesus Christ died for our sins, Romans 5.8. And then finally, accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour allows your sins to be forgiven and you saved from God's wrath, Romans 10, verses 8 to 10. Isaiah 12, verses 2 to 6. No, just verse 2, sorry. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. The evidence of our salvation will be seen through the outworking of God's presence and transforming power in our lives. We should be striving to be more like Jesus each and every day and desiring to glorify God in all we do and reflecting good spiritual fruit. Now I'm going to be talking about the fruits of the Spirit in December, but I'm going to be talking about the Holy Spirit in the next preach I'm doing. But it is essential that we produce good spiritual fruit. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in you and he wants you to do something for Jesus. As I said, we were applauding our servers but just because you're not serving in a church you can serve in the community you can be giving that person a call you can be being pleasant to your neighbour I know it's not really the done thing nowadays but you can have a conversation a pleasant conversation with your neighbour because some of these people are isolated and your face might be the only face they see you can you have got something in you that God wants to use you for Through salvation, our old sinful nature dies, which is crucified with Christ at the cross. The power of God that resurrected Christ from the grave provides us new life in him now and assurance of eternal life on his return. Eternal life is available to all of us as a free gift from God, but you must believe Jesus died and rose again. And salvation allows us to see our true identity in Christ. Again, we didn't know who we were until God got hold of us. So what do we gain through God's salvation? Psalm 103 verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Salvation allows us to encounter, draw nearer and get to know better our awesome, gracious and merciful God. And he does not deal with us according to our sinful ways, but shows great love and care towards us as we seek his way of living rather than our own. Ephesians 5, verses 8 to 9. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are, in, you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is founded in all that is good and right and true. Salvation reveals God's light to us. This is just like a visual picture of what we're like before we receive God's salvation. It's dark. It's black, it's bleak. And all you've got to look forward to is death, sin and guilt. That's before you receive his salvation. And then God flicks the switch and his light fills our hearts and we know truth, light and life. That's what it's like. Everything changes. And once God changes, once God makes that change to you, you can't go back. It's done. You don't want to go back. Who wants to go back to this? When you can have this. What we have with his light. He helps us see, and we definitely need that. Just because these eyeballs can see outwards, sometimes there's things 
we need to see further. Without him, we are completely blind. With him, he guides us. Without him, we're lost. With him, he helps us to grow. Without him, we don't grow. We may grow older, but we're not growing. With him, he gives us joy. Joy in spite of your circumstances. Without him, we just want to give up. We don't want to be there. Romans 5 verse 8. But God showed his great love to us, for us, by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. His salvation shows his great love to us. We don't deserve it. We can't buy it or we can't earn it. And we can't influence it. But God continues to show his incomprehensible love towards all his creations, believers and unbelievers alike. A quote from A.W. Tozer. Jesus Christ knows the worst about you. Nonetheless, he is the one who loves you the most. His salvation allowed a changed sinner like me to approach love and serve a holy, almighty God. God's eternal, unchanging love is my anchor, my strength, and my life's being. Salvation transforms our hard and sinful hearts into loving, gracious hearts filled with his new life, desires, and purposes. Hearts free from the bondages this world tries to trap us in. God's desire and compassion for us is to heal and save us. We don't need to earn his love, for he gives this freely to everyone. But we must love him back with an honest and faithful heart, not rejecting his love and care for us in any way. Salvation requires surrender of our will and our heart to God for his purposes. It allows us to get right with God, right in our mind, in our heart, and in our relationship with him. God made a way for you to know him better. He already knows you better than you know yourself. Are you ready to draw closer to him and allow him to make you new through him? Amen. Amen. So, two prayers. There may be some in this house today that don't have that relationship with Jesus, that they haven't given their hearts to Jesus. So I'll say a first prayer for you. What I will do is ask you to bow, not bow, bow your heads and close your eyes. And if that's you, if you have not received God's salvation, all I need you to do is put your hand up. There's always opportunity to, but always remember God is always calling. For those of us who are believers, who have received Jesus' salvation, who know he is our saviour, he has provided our salvation, he has justified us, he is sanctifying us, and he will glorify us. For you, I pray a prayer of encouragement. Stand the course. We all have to stand the course for Jesus. We will have challenges. We will have Times where we're on our knees, crying out to Jesus, saying, Lord, take this from me. But you know what? Even Jesus had to do that. That's where the abide comes in. We have to keep abiding in him. He is our life. He is our joy. He is our peace. Without him, we are nothing. So you have to stay with the source. So Lord, we pray for all of these believers who will abide in you who will keep abiding in you in the tough times, 
when the storms are here, when the crying has started, you are with us. You are closer than you ever will be. Any person will be. You are always with us. And you never leave us. You never forsake us. And your love is eternal. So Lord, encourage them. Strengthen them. Keep calling to them. Keep sanctifying them. Keep changing them. Because it's only by, our grace and mer- by your grace and mercies that we are here. Let this gift of salvation go beyond us. Go beyond this generation. Go beyond everything that we do. In Jesus' precious and mighty name. Amen.